So welcome along. My guest today is a teacher, franchisee, DJ, cruise organizer, co-swish host, cabaret winner, and all-round good guy. His Twitter blog says, I'm Paul, and I love dancing, playing loads of sport, going on holiday, watching musicals, and basically not stopping to sit down. Today on Life on the Off the Stage, even, is all about finding more about the man that is Paul Brooks. Welcome along. Yay, what an intro, Richard. I love that. I didn't know what you were going to say then. I know, it's quite scary, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot going on there. There is a lot going on there. Yeah, it's, I was looking back. So what I'm doing is I'm looking on Google. I'm typing in your name and finding out who Paul Brooks is. Now, there's also a police commissioner called Paul Brooks as well, but I guess that wasn't you. No, I don't, I don't think that was, that was me. No, far from it. I've never Googled my name, actually. I, should, I might try that after this. Have you not? All the images that come up, it's quite have you scary. Have you ever Googled your name? No, maybe. <laughs> All right. All right, yeah, that's, that's just, something I want. I wonder how many people have actually done that. Do you know what's quite scary? I was doing a family quiz the other day and uh, a number of my family members had Googled my name. <laughs> they, they were finding out about me and I thought that was very, very bizarre. But, um, but yeah, there's lots in there. It's uh, yeah, but lots of eclipse photos, Christmas ones, you dressed up, no doubt. Yes, so. there's a lot of fancy dress that goes on, especially at the class nights. So uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, this um, is all about finding all about Mr. Paul Brooks' life off the stage. So you know him as a teacher and as a DJ, no doubt as well. But we're going to find out a little bit more about Paul. But first of all, what we're going to do is find out what Paul Sorok's story is. So Paul, tell us your story. OK, so I would say it probably began about 20 years ago. And uh, it started off with the fact that uh, my brother, who is a twin, which is Glenn, uh, he had a uh, work colleague saying to him, you need to go dancing. And uh, and he suddenly got into this bug of going to something that was called Ciroc. And uh, well, as, as he was coming in from work, he was then going back out again. And two or three times a week, he was doing this dancing. And I was like, I'm not, no, I'm not interested. Don't want to do that. I've seen Strictly. I don't want to do the sequins and all of that. I'm definitely not interested so I was into my badminton and football and more of the sport just doing loads of different sports and uh it was about six months into that that uh that he managed to persuade me to go to my very first night which was at Rochester in Kent and Steve Thomas was teaching at the time and uh I've turned up there and it was more of a yeah I didn't know what to expect but it was brilliant just to see everyone enjoying themselves and it was just the fact that it was quite a casual kind of setup and it wasn't very strict in that uh the worry of what I thought the whole sequin dancing would be like uh and obviously it's nothing like that and uh and then from that moment 20 years ago I've then uh, gone and uh helped uh a lady called Kristen Corsi, who was a teacher also for Kent and landed up demoing for her down in Canterbury. And I would say it was her that kind of grounded me in terms of the whole Ciroc ethos and the process and uh, and get, get me through those those early days. And um, and then doing that for about four years or so and then uh, landed up taking on the DJ reins for Ciroc Kent and um and did that for a number of years and then from that moment it was uh my brother glenn and um and karen uh toko uh, the three of us we decided to get together 
and uh, said, look, let's let's see if we can do something for somebody else. So we landed up going over to Siroc, Surrey uh, for a franchise that was uh, Annalisa at the time. And uh, we went and did a class night on a Tuesday at Bourne Hall in Yule. And uh, we did that for about a year. We took numbers from about 25 to 30 coming along and uh, managed to turn that night into about 120 to 130 regular dancers. And that's probably going back to the fancy dress comment you made earlier, Richard, that's, um, that's when we landed up doing lots of party nights and fun nights. And that seemed to just generate the extra boost of numbers. And it was a year later that we then decided we're gonna do it for ourselves. And uh, so we set up a franchise, the three of us, uh, which is part of the Essex area. And, um, and so we started off with a venue at Romford, uh, where Karen was teaching. My brother was demo, demo there and I was doing the DJ inside. Um, that then progressed on to about two or three years later and then uh, landed up opening up a second venue and a third venue, as you do. And uh, that's when Basildon came into play. So um, Basildon was set up around about 14, 15 years ago. And uh, because it was a brand new venue, up at that stage, Karen was teaching, Glenn was then starting to teach. And then it was like, come on, Paul, now it's your turn. So, uh, so that's when I started my reigns of teaching with, um, uh, with Ciroc. And that was 14, year <coughs> 14 years ago. And uh, that was at the Basildon venue. But I just feel like it was new dancers, a new venue, me as a new teacher. And as I've progressed, I've kind of taken the journey with me. And some of those dancers have stayed with me that entire time as well. And that kind of now brings you right bang up to date uh, as to my teaching story and history of getting into Ciroc. So it's that way you now teach, is it? <laughs> That's right. Still? Yes. Over at Basildon. Basildon on a Monday night. Aww. And you've got people that are still there from day one. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever seen any videos of yourself teaching early doors? Oh, my goodness. I, uh, <laughs> no, I haven't. But uh, people don't won't know this, but you, Richard, was on my audition panel. Was I? I remember it well, Paul. I do. You, you were there, lined up, sat there. It was like going on to like Britain's Got Talent or X Factor with a line of judges. And I remember dancing. I had to dance to Nat King Cole, Let There Be Love. Oh, nice. Whoever chose that song. But uh, yes, wasn't me. for whatever reason, Richard, you and the gang decided to put me through. Yeah, I remember you being incredibly infectious. <laughs> Probably the best word for it. That's it, great. Um, yeah, no, literally, it's, it's, it was very interesting doing the audition panels because you, uh, you got to see lots of different people. And as they came into the room, it was, yeah, you analyze them from the moment they come in and uh, not just the teaching that they do. So yeah, it was, uh, it was brilliant. And, Absolutely. Uh, I great. The, the, the fitness class to start with. So, so this is like, some yeah. oh my goodness. Those the, obviously people don't, don't know what goes, what's involved with the actual uh, audition side, but then we had this keep fit person come in uh, and uh, well, it was like hand, body, eye coordination for about five minutes, but this level will go from, progressively from easy to progressively hard and by the end of it you just felt like arms and legs were all, all over the place and it was like survival of the fittest but it was a fun thing to do but uh, it's it's great it's great and that's that's what makes uh, Ciroc so good in terms of those teachers that then come through the other end because of how grueling and uh, how intense it is and the uh, one or two weeks of intense training that Tim now does 
um, it's it's where we are today. So you went through 14 years ago, is that right? Yes. So who would have been your teacher trainer then? That Oh, it was actually Kristen. Okay. Uh, by chance. So Kristen, who obviously I landed up demoing for, um, then by the time I was we had our own franchise uh yeah she landed up doing the teacher training uh i forget who actually so we i did that with her with two others and uh that was a week's worth of almost like being in the big brother house very intense and it was like four walls and you don't see daylight and uh and by the end of it in came the the panel and i i think it was alex that uh that did alex the final yeah at the time so he did the uh the final exam and then then put us through Ah, oh, congrats. And we've yes. loved every, every day since. Absolutely. Cool. So, so every Siroc teacher is very, very different. And that is part of the beauty. We all have a certain standard we have to get to. But um, I certainly have a particular way of teaching. But what's your favourite style to teach then? Yeah, see, now, I, I wondered if you were going to say something like this, because I would say style wise, I'm your standard Siroc teacher in that um, it's the standard moves um, that, that we teach. But I would say that my style is just more of a having fun, very kind of uh, just the enjoyment side. So uh, I'm certainly a bubbly kind of teacher. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's where I would put you as well. You are. <laughs> I, I love coming into your classes because everyone's just having fun. Where are you, Richard? Where, what would your style be? Um, my style would definitely be on the slower end of things. I think not necessarily just because I'm more mature now, but um, but yeah, I'm, I prefer kind of lyrical dancing and uh, yeah, quite technical and yeah, I, that's kind of my bag really. I, I like things to be done correctly, but at the same try. I, tr I think my principle is trying to get them dancing to the best of their technical ability whilst having the most amount of fun. Yeah, that's kind exactly. of where I that's where I sit really. Um, that's great. Uh, yeah. It's all cool. Um, so you've been on stage a while. No doubt there's been the odd embarrassing moment. So what is yeah, your most embarrassing I would say, moment? I would say that most of us has probably had an embarrassing moment. Yeah. Uh, but most of us has probably at some stage. I know that I've, I've walked up on stage and literally just gone flat forward on my face. Have you ever done that? I haven't done that, no. Well, I'm quite surprised. I would have no. thought quite a few, quite a few people <laughs> have uh, have done that. So yeah, I would say that that was that was probably the, the the most embarrassing. But like anything, the amount I think my mouth works a lot quicker than my brain when it comes to teaching, and the amount of innuendos that comes out of my mouth, and it's like it's you just then don't realise what you've said until everyone's giggling in the class. Uh, so I would say that's that's probably the other embarrassing side of trying to just dig yourself out of a hole that you've got yourself into. And it just kind of progressively gets worse to the point you just have to say, let's stop and move on. Yeah. Have you ever properly got the giggles? Oh, yeah. Without without a doubt. And the trouble and when, is you get, if... when you get that and you've got your fits of laughter and then everyone's doing it as well. It's it's brilliant of you. Oh, on too many occasions to mention. But the worst thing is because you're the only one on microphone, you can't just palm it off onto somebody else. So you get the giggles and then like I, I often would turn away from the class and just do nothing and just try and compose myself and then go right back to the script then. I, I generally, yeah, it's, it is scripted, but I would generally, if I get that fits of laughter, I would definitely land up sharing it with people, providing I can share whatever it is that I'm laughing at. <laughs> 
no, it's, it is difficult. So, so what do you think makes a great rock teacher then? I don't know why I put a radio voice on them, but it was kind of. Uh, have you done radio before? Yes, many years ago. Oh, have you? What radio? Yeah. Oh, it's just hospital radio. I did it for about three years. Um, Excellent. Richard, Richard's class act every Thursday night, eight to eleven. <laughs> so yeah, this is back in the day though when we had tape records and CDs. Oh I, my! I used to have to mix and match between because we didn't. We only had one CD player, so I couldn't play two CDs in a row um, because it would like be too confusing. So I'd have tapes and records lined up. So uh, I think the wow, weirdest well, one was I. I did, I did, did radio as well, I can, on, I can relate to that and it's like um yeah records mini discs cd yeah. and um and uh i did a lot of radio production work um when i was at college and it was very much a reel to reel that i was splicing tape and sticking it together nice. to create the package but obviously it's all now now digitally done but uh yeah going back to, back to your question uh i would say what makes a good good Sorok teacher, someone that definitely engages with their with the class, with the dancers, that is having a lot of fun and just just generally helping people going from one level to another. There's there's nothing more satisfying, and I'll probably speak on behalf of a lot of teachers. So suddenly people see people coming into a venue, thinking I can't dance, I don't know what I'm doing, I can't do this. And yet years and years down the line, you see them just enjoying themselves, absolute maybe going into competitions for those that want to take it that one step further. But just to see the progress people make, that's that's the best thing about being a Ciroc teacher. But uh, having fun, all about having fun for me. Uh, it's, it's never been about the work side. It's never, never been about that. It's meeting people for me on a weekly basis. Uh, at different venues and just enjoying myself it's that escapism from a hard day's worth of of work and it's just escaping from all of that and uh and just meeting up with people do you class teaching soroka's work then no no definitely I not great, i heard a great phrase recently and that was that if um if you actually start doing your passion as your job you'll never do another day's work in your life which i quite like that that's great i love that I love that sound. I'm very lucky with my full-time job uh, where I do marketing and social media for a business support organization. And it's it's such a brilliant balance between the a work, a work-life balance. And they from the word go, they already knew about Siroc. And it's very much put aside. That's the night Paul has to go teaching or he's DJing. And it's it's great. So I enjoy both sides. Oh, cool. It's um you seem to love teaching. Um, which is what it's all about really it's, yeah um, I know a lot of um, teachers they feel like they give an enormous amount and I definitely having spoken to a number of people in your classes they they feel like they get a lot from you oh that's uh, great how do you find what do you think makes a good teacher um, connection to the class however that is done is the main thing for me so I'm not a big fan of teachers just talking at the class because um, then they may be a great teacher in regards to what they're teaching and great dancer. But yeah, you need to have connection and know, know who your class are and then do it appropriately. So I may teach differently in one venue than I would in another venue because that particular class wants something completely different. So, that's, a, uh, that's a great answer, Richard. I think it's like to, to make, make everyone that's in your venue uh, feel as though it's their venue yeah. and that they're a part of that. 
that's that's the biggest thing and it's like before i before while i'm teaching it might be that i'll be telling people a story nothing to do with siroc but just that personal story that i've got something to share with everybody Mm. because and then others kind of do that in return and it's it's great that you then suddenly feel like you're connecting with one another and it's not just about the dancing and just turning up it's it's just getting to know each other a bit more yeah it's it's being a you know you are the leader of the the gang as such when you're at your venue you're the catalyst to everybody having a good night i remember the the worst night of teaching i ever did in my life was uh, I was back in Swindon about 20 years ago and I'd been really ill all day just with a really bad cold and I turned up and I went um you'll have to bear with me tonight everyone I feel really ill and you know I've never taught a flatter class in my entire life <laughs> everyone's like oh he's not very well so we're just going to be like that um so yeah it was a good learning for me that uh, you know no matter what happens during your day you get up there it's a bit like if you go and watch Ro- Robbie Williams in concert or whoever your favorite artist is you don't care if he's had a good or a bad day you want to see him get up there and do his thing and that's kind of the same as being a rock teacher yeah that like, is that's that's something that people probably don't uh appreciate that uh at some stage throughout the year we all come down with flu and not feeling up to it but it's almost like a I can't have that it's the whole stage face oh, let's yeah. enjoy it exactly that yeah, and sometimes it's easier than others, and you know, hopefully most of the time we're we're in good moods and we're in our happy place when you go to a rock venue because the rest of the world doesn't exist for those three hours. Yeah, and you're just there and you're doing your thing, and it's uh, it's an amazing thing, which, uh, which I'm, I feel very privileged to do. I remember going to see a pantomime, and uh, Brian Conley was on stage, and he was saying he genuinely feels privileged that people come along, pay their money, and watch him do his thing on stage. And I, I still feel that way regarding when I'm teaching dancing. Yes, I'm there as a teacher, but, you know, it's a privilege to be up on stage. So uh, every yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Which I love. Absolutely. So, so you've been a DJ. So what's your DJ story then, Paul? Well, I would probably say that the DJ uh, is, uh, comes first before the teaching. Uh, I was eight years old when I decided to set up my own mobile disco. And, um, and so it was like a little hi-fi unit, a uh, little record player, a few disco lights. It literally had like four little bulbs. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then I would go out and uh, my, my parents would drop me off at the local village hall. And, uh, and then I would go and do a little disco for, for friends and, and, and people. And, uh, and then years went, went on and that, that little disco turned into a huge disco setup. Uh, to the point that we landed up uh, alongside uh, Glenn. I roped him him in as well, my twin brother. And uh, we had one of the largest disco setups in Kent. Uh-huh. And um, and so that, that took me through kind of like the primary school and then secondary school kind of age. And then, uh, and then from that point, uh, I left school and went and studied media and radio. And so um, that's that's where I kind of it all kind of comes in into play in terms of uh, uh, presenting a radio show is very similar to presenting on stage for Siroc. And um, when the music is playing in the background, uh, I have kind of just from an early age, uh, I find it very natural to be able to talk up to the point where the person starts singing Hitting in the, the lyrics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And then counting in and yeah, deep, deep down, it's like, 
uh, Claire Jiggins, who's my demonstrator, I would have a little giggle with her when I'm I'm all smug with the fact that I've managed to talk for 40 seconds up to a track and counting and get the class to start on time. Uh, but I would say that that goes way, way back to when I was at college. But um, from that point, uh, I worked for a number of radio stations uh, in Victor FM at the time, which is now Heart. Um, so I was doing a lot of production work for them and um, and then local stations as well. And um, and as well as doing the disco side. And I think that's when Sorok came along. It was very much a I love the dancing, but I now want to be a DJ for Sorok. Uh, because to do a DJ night for a wedding or a birthday party uh, can be quite hard work just to get people on the dance floor, where with Ciroc, as we know, you press play on a track and you've already got an audience that wants to dance. Yeah. Uh, there's still a skill to that because you've still got to find the right music to play. Um, and I would say that uh, in the early days of Ciroc when I was DJing, uh, Eric Wilson was the um, DJ for London and he was the one that I always looked up to. Uh, he was doing the Ciroc Champs at the time, his music was very varied, it was very upbeat and uh, I've always said to Eric that, that he was my competition and uh, but from the early early stages of me DJing I would while I was dancing go around the class and say to people what is your favourite track? What is your favourite tune to dance dance to? And I would write that down. And I and did again, that. That's where you then have, even on DJing, a connection to the class. And that's Absolutely. really important rather than thinking that as a DJ, you know best. And now my philosophy is always, it's their night, not my night. That's if it. I can include their tracks in there and it fits in with what we were trying to do. Then, yeah, it's their night. I would say I would say certainly for the first few months, it was very much a playlist that I'd got from the dancers of that venue, knowing that that's what they like to dance to. And that's that was then built up over time. And also my experience in radio and also doing the discos and bringing in the extra tracks as well. And uh, and that is kind of like the starting point of my DJing. Uh, career for Ciroc and uh, and as time's gone on I've obviously got involved with the Escape Weekenders, um, now the Ciroc Cruise um, and then when Eric handed up his, uh, handed in his headphones as you say um, a few years back with the Ciroc Champs I was uh, kindly asked to take over as the uh, doing the competition music for the Ciroc Champs and that's probably one of my highlights just to be able to uh, start from a normal DJ going through it, trying to please everybody the best I can with a variety of music. And then to be asked to DJ at the London Ciroc Champs is, is one of my highlights. So uh, without a doubt, but without the, the likes of Eric and uh, Gary Turner, uh, the late Gary Turner, uh, who was very encouraging, uh, that's, that's where I am today. Yeah, and doing competition tracks is incredibly difficult. Um, the amount get, of Getting months. it right. The amount of months that go into play, and um, and some people think it's a it might be a li little couple of weeks beforehand to turn up, play the music. But the amount of conversations I would have for the London champs, Tim Tim Saint Turner is so involved with that playlist. Alongside me, I would start the bases off. There's something like 120 competition tracks that we use throughout the day, and uh, I would I would set out the the main playlist send it over to Tim, he would then 
look at it from his point of view, add his comments in, and we'll be swapping and changing. And that would happen about two months before the competition itself. And then uh, on the day, there's the play playlist all sorted. That's the easy part, pressing play on the day because the hard work's already done. But uh, yeah, it's, it's great to be able to put in all of that work, seeing everyone enjoying themselves, seeing the reaction of pressing play to a particular track and people going, oh, wow, I love this track. Or on other occasions, oh, my days, I hate this one. Why the hell are we dancing to it? It happens. But uh, it's great. It's great to see that response. It does. And as a competition dancer, no matter what's played, you've got to do the best of your ability. So, you know, you may like a track, but somebody else might not like it, but it doesn't make it a bad track. It just Absolutely. Means that and doesn't like it. I'd say if you speak to any DJ to try and please everybody on the dance floor, okay. uh, it's not it's not possible. But providing everyone plays a nice variety and a good mixture, then then you're on safer grounds. Yeah. So 25 Latin tracks in a row may not be the best policy. Not Likewise, quite. with 25 grunge tracks, again, you may clear the dance floor. So, uh, so yeah, absolutely getting the uh, variety in there. Yeah. Um, is always quite key. So you've mentioned Glenn a couple of times. He is your bro. Okay, so what's the rest of your family set up then? Yeah, so it, it's just me and my twin brother. Um, when we were uh, born, uh, my mum didn't even know she was having twins. Nice. And, uh, so there, there my mum and dad were at the hospital. First, my brother came, popped out into the world. And then it was like, what's going on? Something else isn't quite right. Uh, unbeknown to them, uh, I was also inside that stomach. And uh, so out I popped as well as a surprise. So uh, so they never knew. Yeah, I'm here, everyone. I've arrived. Um, but yeah, we've got a brilliant connection, me and my brother. Um, being twins, maybe that that might be part of it. But yeah, we've we've get on like a house on fire. Absolutely brilliant. Back in the day, it did take me a while to I couldn't really tell you apart. And now you have grown into your features slightly differently. So it's not difficult to tell you apart. Yeah, anymore. I've certainly got shorter hair. You've got Short shorter hair. Yes. Yeah. And that's ever so slightly rounder face, I think, as well, compared to Glenn, who's slightly slimmer in the face. Exactly so, that, yes. That doesn't mean he's slimmer, he's just slimmer in the face. So. <laughs> I know what you say. It's all right. I'm, I'm training for the marathon at the moment, Richard, so I'm doing all right. You're looking good. Yeah, I, I would train for the marathon in regards to going to get a Snickers bar, as it's called now. That's about as close as I'd get to a marathon. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. So you and your bro, and uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Just Just the two of us. So yeah, but my, my parents, um, they are very sporty. And uh, and I think before even Sorok came along, we were introduced to so many different sports. And uh, so this is almost where um, anyone that goes on my Facebook will see that I just don't sit still. But that would have been definitely inherited from my mum and dad in that they've been very busy people. But it's whether it be playing rounders when we were kids or... Um, playing a lot of football. Uh, both me and Glenn, we, we had a spell of playing roller hockey for about four okay. years. We were very much into our roller skating. And, uh, and so we were, were skate marshals at our local wow. roller disco when they used to be on. I always looked up to those people. I've been roller skating two or three times and I genuinely am an embarrassment. <laughs> roller skating oh, or ice skating. I, I thought I was the bee's knees. There I was with the yellow high yeah. the whistle. No, no doubt going backwards as well. Oh, yeah, we went backwards and all of that. We also did something called the wheelbarrow. Okay. Where it's, I want to go, it's where people would sit on top of each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you would then skate along. 
but yeah, that that would be our, our little kind of like showpiece at the local roller disco. But uh, yeah, so we played a lot. Of, we did a, a lot of roller skating and uh, roller hockey. Um, and then uh, I landed up going into my local badminton club. So I played a lot of badminton. And that's probably where I was at when my brother started Siroc. So while he was doing the whole dancing and going to pubs and doing his pub quizzes, I was very much still going to play, play my sport and doing my badminton. Oh, you I play to... badminton, don't you, Richard? Yeah, I used to play for the RAF many, many moons ago, but um, I had a really bad shoulder injury. So I had to stop playing properly at the age of 23. Oh wow! Did yeah, you play I, competition level? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I used to, uh, I used to do jump smashes, the lot. I used to be able to do, and um, I do remember being absolutely hammered by the RAF number one uh, playing singles. And I've never moved from the front to the back of the court so many times in one game. <laughs> it's it it, beyond it, exhausting. It's funny, isn't it? When you think you've got to a level with your within your own club and you're having everyone else run run around the yeah, court yeah. and then you play somebody else that knows a bit better or knows yeah. more than you suddenly you're that that runner yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it no 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 matter because you're always in the wrong position and uh but yeah we'll have a game at some point so, yes, uh, absolutely. so yeah, i used to get to the point where i'd i'd do a smash um my shoulder would literally just completely collapse and my arm would drop down by my side and i'd then have to pick up my arm to start playing again oh wow so when it got to that point and i'd uh yeah i'd gone through a variety of different uh, operations and uh, yeah it was decided it was best to uh hang up the old racket but i, I still play on the odd occasion but yeah when you don't play very regularly you, you then don't become as good as you used to be and that becomes frustrating absolutely so. it's when you think i would have been able to have got to that a few years yeah. ago <laughs> yeah getting to that backhand smash um, yeah. i play a bit more tennis these days and whenever i'm at the net they're going you're really good at the net. I'm, like, I'm just playing badminton, really. <laughs> yes. Badminton with a tennis just racket. Just a different ball. Yeah. And a slightly heavier ball, but yeah. Uh, but yeah. So you mentioned again, um, you have another job. So you're not a full-time Ciroc teacher. So what is your job then, Paul? So I work for, uh, it's called, it's called the Chamber of Commerce. And it's a, um, the, Business, it's a business support organisation. So where we uh, where we've been in this whole pandemic, and the government has been pushing out loads of news and information and grants and funding, um, that's kind of like in a very short summary what the company does. We put that news out to local businesses uh, to be on hand to support businesses to help them grow. Um, and my specific job or my background uh, for about 20 years uh, was doing events, so corporate events. Um, and so it will be we've got one locally, which is the almost the equivalent of what you'd get at Excel up in London. So a few thousand delegates, about four to five hundred exhibitors. And I would be part of a team that would put those kind of events on. Um, but having had that kind of experience for 20 years, there was an area in terms of the marketing side that needed filling. And uh, that's where I kind of progressively have gone so uh so now i do the marketing for the company and then suddenly this whole world of something called social media popped into play a few years ago What's that? So, uh, so now i do the marketing and the whole mix and that also includes social media but when i look at what i've done in the past when i look at my radio and uh the presenting skills that i've 
I've built up. Uh, my very first job was working in a local news agents uh, as a paper boy, but also working in the shop. So it was dealing with customers and chat to customers. Um, and then when I look at now running events and then doing the marketing side, all of those skills is what's gone into helping me and my brother run the franchise locally. And it's having that skill set that certainly helped us get to where we are now. Oh, it's, um, it sounds good. It, I'd say it's often all the experience you've got before that help you in current day, isn't it? So, um, so yeah. Absolutely, sure. yeah. Yeah. So what's the most daring thing you've ever done outside of Ciroc then, or even in Ciroc? Oh, I would say outside of Ciroc. Yeah, I do a lot of things outside of Ciroc. But there is a place in Wales and it's called Zip World. Have you mm. heard of it, Richard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Have you ever to been go... there? No, I keep meaning to go there. I just haven't got there yet. Oh, it is. It is one of the most exhilarating places to go to. If you're an adrenaline adrenaline junkie uh, okay. it's definitely a must place so zip world uh, is loads of almost like your go ape kind of courses but there was also a cave where uh, we would do rock climbing in a cave they've got trampolines built in an underground cave but one specific area is something called velocity mm -hmm. and velocity is at the top of a huge hill uh, well i can't even call it a hill a mini mountain and it goes across a huge reservoir. But it's the, uh, at the time when I went, and it might still be, the longest and fastest zip line in the UK. And basically you're strapped in a body bag. Who, yeah, just in case. Strapped in a body bag, laying flat. Yeah, laying flat. And you're connected to the zip wire. And then they let you go. And you're literally head first going down this mountain. Uh, did you scream? absolutely i screamed absolutely but yeah it was it was great fun to do yeah Aww. what would be I, yours do you know what? i did something similar we went to uh, mexico and went to a place called i think it was z or something like that um and that had loads and loads of zip wires you ended up doing zip wires through a waterfall at one point um which was quite amazing wow um, so yeah and that did like had four by four buggies it was a really expensive day but it was an amazing day of my life um yeah, what's the most daring thing I've ever done? Yeah, probably that type of thing. Um, and yeah, I think possibly actually on one of the very first dance holidays in Granada in Spain, um, this may not sound that daring, but for me, it was quite a lot. I'm not a big fan of heights. And uh, we went canyoning. So you're in between the canyon and you're walking through the river that goes down it. Um, yeah. And we got to one particular pool and they said, if you want to, you can go up onto that ledge and jump into the pool. And you know, the ledge was, I think, 20 foot up above. But then, of course, you're another six foot-ish. Absolutely. Mine's a few little inches. Um, so you're actually like 25 foot up in the air. Yes. And uh, you're looking down, you're going, you know, cross the arms over and, uh, yeah. And did you do in. it? Yeah, I did. Oh, good for you. Yeah, yeah, I did it. And, uh, yeah, I, I properly papped my pants. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, I still remember it really clearly now. So, um, yeah, no, it's fabulous. It was Great. fabulous. Great. Cool. Right, we're on to music now. Okay, okay. So there's three questions that you've got here. Okay, the first of those questions, I'm going to edit in afterwards the music just to let you know. Okay, but the first of those questions is what is your favorite track to dance to? Now, hard question, I know, because it changes for me. Yes, it does. And the, the trouble is, because I've been brought up um, 
with such a wide spectrum of tunes that I would play at discos and different genres. This is so difficult. Um, but can I can I just rephrase the question slightly oh, in that I feel the most popular tune that people probably would associate with me playing and dancing to would probably be the Bongo song by Safra Duo. Uh, at the time when I first started dancing, that was the tune that Eric Wilson played at the Ciroc Champs. And it was one of those, it was a, wow, what is that tune? And it was, it was the in tune. And that's probably stuck with me because of the history behind it. And when people say, oh, it's Paul, no doubt he'll play the Bongo song. Uh, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't anymore, but that will probably be the most popular. Let's see if we can actually have a quick listen to it. I'll try and play it for you. Okay, dokes. It's a classic, Richard, shall we say. There we go. There we go, just like that. Can't play it too long for copyright reasons. That's, uh... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so that's your dancing track. What about a track to listen to then? Um, to listen to, I would probably say most recently, um, the Daddy Was a Milkman. What a great name for band, by the way. Breathe in. I know. Who came up with that? Daddy Was I a know. Milkman. Can, can you imagine this, the scenario? So we're sat here. What should we call our band? I know. My Daddy Was a Milkman. Let's call it that. <laughs> absolutely but it's like it's such a brilliant lyrical track and a nice easy listening tune to to yeah sort of like get into whether you're dancing to it or listening to it but uh i know that 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 particular tune seemed to get played by gary turner at the time and then tim introduced it a few years back as one of the uh the final tracks at the Ciroc champs and uh it was probably the tune that from the whole day i had people coming up to me saying what is the name of it who is it and now it's become one of those classics at Ciroc. um but yeah very, very good, a nice, easy listen to. Let's have a quick listen. Yeah, I would say this is the kind of tune that you would like to dance to, Richard. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. It's um, eight beats per minute. It's uh, there or thereabouts. So, uh, yeah, no, it's a lovely track to dance to. It really is. Excellent. And what's been the most important track to you in your life and why? Um, the most important, I'd probably go with, see this change, it changes all the time, but I would probably go with uh, Pharrell Williams and Happy. Wow. It's not necessarily, you can't dance to it because it's no. way, way too fast, but I would probably say uh, it sums me up as a person and an individual, as in very upbeat, very happy and love life. Let's have a listen. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. It doesn't it make you just smile. It's great. Love it. But just but yeah, to it. Just 160 done. beats per minute though. <laughs> I'd have a heart attack at the end of that. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not a young man anymore. So <laughs> So yeah, so if you had a choice, final question on music. If you had a choice, 100 beats per minute, 120 beats per minute. 140 beats per minute because 160 is too quick. Yeah. Which would you choose? Uh, 
I find that's that's easy question for me. 140 beats per minute. If if we were if I was at a dance weekender, I'd always be in the main room. And that's probably in terms of where I position myself on the DJ side, it's always been as a main room DJ. Uh, yes, I very much got into Silk and the slower tunes, but for my teaching style and my ability and what I enjoy the most, it will be 140 beats per minute up in that main room on those weekenders. Fair enough. I believe 128 beats per minute is the perfect um, beats per minute to get the heart rate going and to connect with the person. So uh, absolutely, that is definitely your average Ciroc beat, I would say. Yeah, it is. Not around here, but uh, <laughs> so no. a little bit slower around here. But uh, there we go. Slightly <laughs> different. Fabulous. Right, we're on to the final part now. So this is quick fire questions for you. Okay, everyone's going to get these questions. I'm these ready. Are, these are completely random questions, and we'll finish off with these. Okay, so your favourite ice cream uh caramel choo choo ben and jerry's very good are you clean or messy oh clean i'm a virgo <laughs> but they say virgos are clean and tidy and organized <laughs> i believe i think i know the answer to this one love or hate roller coasters oh absolutely love roller coasters thought Baby. park chessington bring it on i'm off to Fort thought park this weekend with the big kids excellent right, I can't wait what's the phone app you use the most facebook Apart from Facebook. Oh, my days. That's what's, that's social media. What's that? What, that's still social. Uh, any oh, OK, OK. Uh, no, yeah, I've got one. And it's a game. Go on. And it's because my niece, Emily, who at the, t at the moment is 10 years old, she's got me into a game called Among Us. OK. Have you ever played it? No. Oh, you just go around killing people. OK. Good. I'm glad your 10 year old niece is playing that game. That sounds very <laughs> suitable. I'm just joining in with them. So you're going around killing her, are you? Or... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, why not? Coffee or tea or anything else? Oh, tea. I used to be a very heavy, fizzy drink drinker. But that, as you know, Richard, from when we went and did the Ciroc Cruise, um, two years ago, went out the window. So it's yeah. now cups of tea and squashes. Cups of tea and squashes. Favourite TV programme? Uh, I don't really watch TV, but it's <gasps> always out. Oh, Can goodness. I go with a favourite film, then, film series really? yeah. and that would have been 24 okay as in keith sutherland jack yeah. bauer yeah no, very good choice Love that. And last question then if you came back in your next life as an animal which one would you be and why a uh, monkey because they're mischievous very good we had one riff the aerial off so his car recently at uh, longleat so uh, <laughs> yeah literally looked in the rearview mirror aren't they that is excellent. i just think they're brilliant they are brilliant. They're great. Uh, They're just running around and it's like, yeah, just enjoying life. Well, Paul, you are much loved as a Ciroc teacher and as a person, I'd like to say as well. You're one of my favourite people. Thanks, Richard. Now, Richard, I know that you've asked me all these questions. Oh, go on. I think just for this last minute, people on, should then. know you a little bit more. Should they? Yes. Good. I'm glad to tell you. I didn't know you were going to do a quick fire round. So guess what? Oh, God. Oh, no. I've got you quick fire questions. So are you ready, Richard? This is very much unprepared. Absolutely. Go are you then. ready? Shoot away. Texting or talking? Texting. Favourite day of the week? Oh, Friday. Uh, play football and then have a few drinks. Always relaxing. Excellent. Favourite pizza topping? Oh, just one. Yes. Or a couple. I'll be lenient. Quite like um, the combination of balsamic onions and goat's cheese. Wow. Wow. Oh. That's that's like sounds up market to me. 
I think you can get it in the Tesco finest range. Favourite Disney character? Favourite Disney character? Um, Mulan. Excellent. Mulan. Sorry, Moana. Sorry, very similar. Oh, yeah, good choice. Moana, okay. great. Favourite junk food? Favourite junk food? Definitely fish and chip shop chips. <sighs> Cake or donut? Oh, neat. I don't really do sweet stuff very often, but I've had to choose donut. Okay, favourite number? Favourite number? Hmm. Good question again. Five. Number five. Mine will be seven. Uh, but I'm not asking one. You're not asking me the questions. No, uh, giving true. presents or getting presents? Giving presents. Okay, two more to go. Favorite breakfast cereal? Uh, kind of variations of crunchy nut. Lovely. Types of them. Granola. That's, this is all very healthy. Have you noticed my questions all mainly evolve around food? Food. Yeah. Uh, I finally, noticed. do you watch Harry Potter? Yeah. Well, I did. What's your favorite character? Favourite character in Harry Potter? Uh, Hagrid. There we go. Yeah. Ten quick fire questions about Richard on your first podcast. You are so kind, Paul, to throw that at me. And uh, yeah, it was uh, very kind of you to do that prep. I appreciate that not, but it's great. <laughs> no worries. But no, you've been brilliant, Paul. And uh, I hope everybody's uh, learned a little bit more about the man that is Paul Brooks. Um, and yeah, so fantastic. So thank you very much, Paul. Lovely. And, Thank uh, you so much for having me. No, that's okay. And we'll see you again soon. Lovely. Thank you.